Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we are going to be talking about privacy. This was a uh, request, and I have written a post about it, about whether people should have each other's email and phone passwords and what it means. A reader wrote it and asked about it many years ago, but I figured I would update that. Times have changed. People are more on their phone. Like, that's where their whole life is, really. A lot of people, especially younger couples that I see. So it uh, deserves an update. Before that, please do subscribe. I have, I think, 90 subscriber episodes now. The most recent one was about which women are going to want you to work out and which ones are going to hate when you work out and how an emphasize on exercise um, in the husband relates to all different sorts of things and the woman's personality and the relationship as a whole. A lot of guys, I have a podcast on this already, but this extends it because um, some guys uh, are really shocked that their wife is not into their exercise routine and some, um, you know, really want to know why, you know, because they, they think they would be supportive and they very well may be, you know, and it all depends on attachment style and personality. So you should subscribe and hear that most recent episode. Okay. So email and phone passwords are an issue because as I said, people spend most of their lives now on their phone, um, texts and and entire like friendships are carried out online, you know, via texting and, and messages and group chats and social media. So people spend a lot, a lot, a lot of time online. Obviously, in the pandemic, people uh, had the entirety of their relationships online with anybody who they were not seeing, you know, had were not able to see due to the quarantining and all of that. So this is a bigger issue now than it is for people who met many years ago and decades ago um, where email and phone was, um, they were supplementary. And quite honestly, a person could be having an affair without having much phone or email contact. That is no longer the case. If you're having an affair, there is like a massive uh, trace, trace. I mean, the, the uh, half of it is, is online. Like people, people can go through text messages that span years, you know, like when they discover somebody's affair. So is it mostly due to cheating that people want to look at each other's phones? No, it's really not. I mean, in the situation, I'll tell you straight out, the one situation where you really ought to give your email and your phone passwords is if you have previously been uh, unfaithful, you know, and so you want to work on your relationship, you want your partner to trust you again, well, you kind of have to give them access. If you don't want to, you probably don't want to be in the relationship that bad. So that that's one case, you know, where I say, yeah, for sure. Like if the person wants access to your phone and you were previously found out to be cheating and you want to work on the relationship, then give access to your phone. I mean, it only makes sense, right? You then are, uh, you're, you made your bed, so you got to lay in it. You don't really get privacy anymore. Um, so the, the point is here, there are many other situations, though. So the most frequent situation that I see is preoccupied partner 
And you can refer back to the Pre Preoccupied Husband podcast or um, his most prevalently uh, his preoccupied attachment isn't women, but uh, there are plenty of preoccupied attachment guys too. And so you can go back to my attachment styles podcast. If you are the more jealous, clingy, needy, all of these words that people use um, partner, then of course you're going to want access to your avoidant partner's phone, you know, and um when I posted this online, somebody was like, yeah, well, I'd like to see that the that other partner give access to their phone. They always do is, is the, you know, is the real, <laughs> is the real deal on that. Like this person's always like, look through my phone, look through my phone. I want you basically to care enough to want to look through my phone. And then I want to look through yours too. And this isn't always because of cheating. This is because they want more closeness. The preoccupied attachment partner invariably in any setting wants more closeness. This is, this is the whole thing of preoccupied attachment. There's too much of an emphasis on closeness. There is less of an emphasis than is healthy on independent identities, right? On, on being separate people. Whereas the goal, the ideal is secure attachment where there's a good balance between independent identity and um, interdependence, right? So you're your own person, but also in a loving relationship. So if you want to know how securely attached people tend to treat this, you have each other's uh, phone and email passwords in case of emergency or in case you're just driving and you want somebody to look something up for you or whatever, but you don't really look through their phone. Like you never look through their phone. You may do something for them on their phone or in the case where you have children and shared finances and, and all of these things, God forbid, in an emergency, you want access to their various things, their bank passwords and, and everything, you know? So that would be how a securely attached relationship would work in this area. You have each other's passwords. You can get into each other's phone in case of emergency, but, um, or just generally like, uh, I'll say to my husband, can you look up this? or that, you know, um, you know, we're talking to the accountant, he emailed me something, can you look it up? And whatever. But um, the, the point being is that there's no issue in these couples. They're not hiding anything, but also there's no need to invade somebody's privacy f and you can allow them to be a separate person. So the preoccupied partner wants to know everything about their partner, who's usually avoidant, and the avoidant partner wants to be completely separate. Now, um, there is frequently, too, a situation where there's not infidelity, but there's a lot of porn use, and so the guy doesn't want all the porn use to be uncovered. This is um, real prevalent because guys are on their phone all the time, so it's a lot easier to have like a, I'm private, stop going through my, uh, past my boundaries sort of you know, uh, attitude than to say, I am watching porn multiple times a day and I am embarrassed and I don't want you to see it and I don't want it to cause problems. So that, that is, that too is a problem that you need to introspect about, right? But in the situation where that's not happening, the avoidant partner wants to have a whole separate life. Like they, they want the relationship to be a very small part of their life very compartmentalized. They want to be themselves and themselves is a friend, um, you know, a son, a, a father, a coworker, whatever. They have all these different identities and that's great. You know, more roles in your life is actually associated with more happiness because if something goes wrong in one role, you have other roles, right? So that's why it can be very depressing when mothers stay at home with kids um, because they only have the one role. So if things go bad with the kids, 
you know, you don't have work to think about that you're actually doing well at work or you're actually doing well at a hobby. Some stay-at-home moms have hobbies too. But the the point is, is like when I see stay-at-home moms who are depressed, it's because their whole role, like their number one all-encompassing role is mom. And so then if something goes wrong with that or the kids talk back or they're difficult or whatever, then you feel so bad, you know, because it's such a big part of your life. Right. But be that as it may, it's great to have other roles, but the avoidant partner likes to be a totally separate entity, like in all of these roles and to just kind of um, present honestly, like a single person, not in a flirtatious manner, but just, um, they're just totally different in every role. So example, a securely attached guy, if people, you know, are talking about what are your plans for the holiday, he'll be like, oh, my wife and I are going to do this and our family's going to do that. Whereas a more avoidant guy is going to say, I am going to run this 5K. I am going to uh, catch up on work. I am going to see my mother, even though like the whole family's going or whatever. So also, avoiding people don't necessarily want these sort of um, communications to be parsed apart by their hypervigilant, preoccupied partner who would very much pick up on why don't you ever say we, why don't you ever mention me to anybody, etc. And it's not always for a nefarious reason. You know, it ha- infidelity rates generally are fairly low, higher in men than in women, but 80% of men and 87% of women don't cheat. So, you know, of married people. So anyway, it's, it's not always because of infidelity, even encompassing porn use. It can just be because the avoidant person does not want to be um, just, uh, he doesn't want to be or she doesn't want to be constrained in any way. They want to be able to speak freely and freely often means presenting as somebody who is fairly um, unencumbered, you know, or or is just very... Uh, free and easy and, and does, doesn't act like a family or person or a couple person because that is not a comfortable part of their identity. They say a lot of I statements instead of a lot of we statements. And in general, not only do they not want this type of communication to be seen, but, you know, sometimes also they, they do, and preoccupied people do as well, complain about the main partnership to friends and whatever. Uh, so if people are not happily married, then they are going to complain about the partnership to friends. And preoccupied attachment people will say, well, it's nothing that I don't tell him to his face, but the avoidant person wants to avoid conflict. So if they do confide in anybody about anything, they certainly don't want that to come back and lead to a problem. So in general, um, if, so let's say that you have, um, that, that you are the one who your partner is always saying, please, I want to see your stuff. Why don't you let me see your stuff? And they say, if you aren't hiding anything, why don't you want me to see it? Like you, you got to first interrogate, are you an avoidant attachment person? That's very difficult to get to know, difficult with expressing feelings, etc. you know, or is it that this person, you're at the beginning of a relationship with a new person, let's say, and you you are a more securely attached person that just honestly wants, you know, to be yourself, like in your, in your emails, in your talking. It's interesting because so many people would never ask to come to a partner's therapy session, but they'll ask to go through their phone. And your phone has as much personal stuff between you and other people, friends and whatever, and your like your search histories, like all sorts of stuff. It's just as private as going to somebody's therapy session. You know, and while of course I do and have encouraged people to talk about their therapy sessions to their partners, because it's a great way to help somebody understand what you're working on, what you struggle with, etc., and for them to know you better. 
I certainly don't tell anybody to like record their therapy session and play it for their partner because that's like uh, that's an invasion of privacy. How could somebody really be real when they think that somebody's going to be watching and judging? So if somebody is up your butt to share your phone and email privacy uh, passwords with them, you should think about how you're coming off. Are you really too avoidant in general? Are you hiding anything? Uh, or is it this person just really struggling with their own insecurities and issues and you guys need to either break up if it's the beginning of a new relationship where somebody's constantly jealous and controlling, then that's not a good sign, break up. But if, if it's a long-term marriage and your wife, let's say, is always asking you for your passwords, then um, if you're not hiding anything, you know, perhaps you could say, you know, listen, I, I need my space because of our dynamic. Like you really do want a lot from me and push a lot of my boundaries and I feel like you would make problems about things that you see you would have some issue with the way that I verbalize things to friends or family or or whatever this is of course if you're not like literally trash talking your partner which you should never do if that's the reason you're not sharing your phone then you know, I mean, if, if, if your reason you're not sharing your phone is that you're saying to your brother, man, I want to divorce my wife, uh, well, I mean, then you got to introspect. Obviously, your partner's picking up on something, right? And she, she knows something's coming down the pike, so she wants to, to, you know, have access to that information, which was understandable. But you got to say, I think that we should get into couples counseling because I would love to be in a relationship where, like, I could give you my password, but I feel like if I gave you my password, you'd be going back in my phone through, you know, in my Gmail until 2015, trying to find evidence of me cheating on you or trying to find evidence that I am uh, not into you or trying to find evidence that I am, you know, disengaged, you know, whatever the case may be. So it would be great. The ideal would be, again, for all people in a serious relationship that have, you know, joint assets and kids and all sorts of stuff to be able to go into each other's uh, email to help out or to understand what's going on or if, God forbid, somebody dies. You know, you you should have some sort of plan for like what you do with that. Would, wouldn't you want your partner to be able to see certain things? I don't know. I would. Maybe you wouldn't. It, I, it it's, it's an individual issue. But what I do know is that this is a big one. Boundaries and privacy is a big one that can be worked on productively in couples counseling because some people don't really even think about it. Like, you know, some preoccupied partners don't even think, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't want him listening to every conversation I had with my best friend when I think about it and my therapy session and when I talk to my mom and when I journal, like, you know, or like whatever. Like, even the most preoccupied attachment person usually has some area. I mean, maybe you don't like to keep the door open when you go to the bathroom you could use that as the equivalent you know so everybody's got some boundaries something that they want kept private the problem comes when there's such a disparity between what one person considers fair game to discuss and the other and another problem is when one person feels the other person is always laying in wait trying to catch them at doing something bad and then, of course, there are the situations where there is infidelity going on or extensive porn use and, um, and the phone is being hidden for that reason. So hopefully this gives you an overview. It's definitely something that is useful to talk about in counseling because it relates to a greater pursuer distance or dynamic. It does not, it's not about the phone. You know, no thing is just about that thing. It, this is about trust. It's about security. It's about attachment. It's about boundaries. It's about the relative importance of the individual versus the couple. 
couple. It's about a million things. All right, so um, hopefully this was a good, um, you know, answer to the person who wanted to know about this. And I will talk to y'all soon. Please do um, follow me on TikTok and Facebook. I just hit 50,000 followers on Facebook, so that's great. Um, And I will talk to y'all soon. Have a great day.